so, so being being the Ghostbusters fan that you are, I don't know if your mind went to the same place uh, <laughs> to the same place that mine did. But when the clients like, oh, I want to see the baby, he, I was like, oh, his he, clearly, <laughs> clearly, his acting inspiration was Janosch from yeah, Ghostbusters exactly. Two. <laughs> Dude, it's actually Ben said that. Uh... I'm trying to remember the name of the director that did that part. Oh, that was Deborah Chow, right? I'm I'm pretty sure that wasn't wasn't. Uh, oh no, 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 um, no! Um, it was the director uh, of Tika uh, Taika Waititi. A, no, no, I'm I was thinking Warren Hershaw, Herzog. Uh, oh, uh, Vern, Werner Herzog. Yes, exactly. He's the director that's playing the part. Yeah, he is. Uh, I he hear is. that his favorite movie of all time is Ghostbusters too. As Shut a matter up. of fact, no, it's not. It's <laughs> so he does. He pulls all of his things together yeah. to replicate Ghostbuster too. Clearly, a Yano's mm-hmm. impression, right? Yeah, he hypes up with um, "Your Love's Making Me Higher," and then he goes out and plays Yano. <laughs> uh, yes, that needs to I, yes. be a side by side, right? <laughs> he actually asked if his. If his character could have glowing eyes like he did in <laughs> Ghostbusters 2 to look up and down the hallways. <laughs> okay, so when they explain Moff Gideon to him, he's like, he's like the Vigo king of the Carpathian to the Star Wars galaxy. When his he head goes, died, oh, I guess he's, he's Vigo. Okay. <laughs> I'll be back. <laughs> I miss my poppy. All the <laughs> You're trying to think of all the all the Vigo uh all the Vigo tags. Yeah, exactly. It's, he he lost his kitten. It's it's just a kitten sorrow, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly what is oh god. You know, now that you say that, it's almost weird that so far they haven't put Dana Barrett in this at all. Yeah. Sigourney Weaver showing up in like everything sci-fi. Yeah. And she hasn't appeared in any Star Wars yet. Yeah, so it'd be, I mean, there's well, if you think about it. Let me it, tweet though. at Dave Filoni real fast. Yeah, totally. Uh, we should get to Dave Filoni, right? Or uh, yeah, and be like, hey, you haven't put in any uh Sigourney Weaver. Well, since and since, why? Yeah, since I forgot to mention Christopher Yost being the writer of uh, chapter six, right? And he is an executive consultant mm-hmm. to all the episodes. We should we should try to befriend him, I think. Oh, sure. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> Give me his personal address and I'll just send him some donuts. And send him, send him two droids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except these two droids. For the dear listeners, once upon a time, I've still never met Andy's brother, but I had once sent him two droids in the mail. I sent him a C3PO and R2D2 droid and attached a note into it. It was like, I offer you this. These two droids will serve you well. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't know who I was at that point in time. And he just got it in the mail. It was like, okay, this, this works out for me. He asked me, he goes, so are you doing the podcast with that guy that sent me the two droids? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Indeed. Was he happy to hear that it was me? Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> Perfect. Andy, is this the way? I'm hoping. Yeah, I feel like this is the end of the way for right now. Uh, This is chapter eight of season one, which makes our 16th episode, which makes every 
right now every recoup episode where we go over yeah. and review all the, the things we're done episodically until they release more episodes we've caught up on the show totally so guys this is chapter eight the redemption and it is uh directed by taika watiki yep. I, uh, perfect and then i of course am aaron michael marsh you can find me at aaron M. marsh on all things andrew leonards where can they find you on things they can find me at Leonard's, L-E-N-A-R-D-S, on Instagram, or A. Leonard's, same spelling, on Twitter. When you spell your name like that, it sounds like a Ramon song. <laughs> I've done it a few times. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. And uh, guys, just uh, I know I do this recap every single time for all these episodes, but I think it's important for the person who's just dropping in for the one, two episodes. So bear with me. Please rate, review, and subscribe to everything. Uh, by you know just all of andy's personal stuff i really mean actually the podcast whatever you're listening to subscribe to it rate us review us it means a lot to the algorithm and we are recording this in the year 2021 so we've already seen the second season but we won't spoil it for you we're just your listening companion totally so this episode starts off andy with two scout troopers they have the child they are voiced by jason sudeikis of snl and adam Polly. Uh, was it Veep? Where do I know him from? Um, all, he may be on Veep, but I think most people will know him from Iron Man 3. He was the cameraman who was obsessed with Tony Stark. And so, so and I'm he, assuming uh, that's his connection to Favreau and, and kind of the window into this world. So that's why Oh, I you know, that. it didn't even connect to me. That's got to be it. Yeah. So how could it not? And so or at least maybe this may be the third or fourth thing that worked on together. Who knows? Yeah. I didn't look that deeply into it, but they're both comedic actors. They're both very good. And it shows in this opening scene that makes some really yeah. good stormtrooper jokes. You probably have already seen this episode. So I'm not going to go over the jokes, but it was very fun. They did some good little things. And now we have, uh, I mean, there is a point where Jason Sudeikis, character does punch baby Yoda. Yes. I imagine he's still getting angry emails about that. Yes. And he had no idea uh there was there were, you know when this when this originally aired it was it, it it caused quite quite a bit of a row i think as the british say yeah. uh and and he, apparently he had forgotten uh that any of that had happened i had sort of assumed the reason he didn't know is because he just voiced it and wasn't actually in the suit that was my explanation but um but yeah so definitely yeah. definitely got well, a reaction when it was it. filmed it was way before the show was a thing where baby yeah. yoda is now this like cultural phenomenon yes when he filmed it they're like probably like there's a pillow in the bag just punch it yep and now like he finds out later he's punching a cultural phenomenon you know like everything bart simpson was at his peak and no one's happy to see it <laughs> so ig11 shows up who is now reprogrammed as a nursing droid to protect the baby his job yes. his number one job is to protect this baby so he kills these scout troopers and takes their speeder bike and takes this baby and he heads into town he's gonna which is uh, what a great way to start the episode yeah um Oh, and so now we get back to they're in Navarro. They're being attacked. All of our heroes, Cara Dune, Grief Karga, and our Mandalorian. And they're at the standoff with Moff Gideon. Yes. And he does mention, because uh, they're like, they're being yelled at. And then the Mandalorian's like, we can take the Mandalorian sewers. They're underneath the storm. And like, even though Grief Karga was like living in the town, he's like, what? 
sewers and he goes yeah we have actually been living in the sewers underneath this town so he reveals this thing that we saw in episode three where there's this underworld of mandalorians and he knows that he can get to there and that no one really knows about it. it's like if you're with your friend at disney world and they're like oh you know instead of just going through the town let's take the tunnels underneath but no one knows there's tunnels underneath exactly very cool while he's doing this we're also watching stormtroopers set up an e-web which we saw originally in empire strikes back and now it's kind of just shown up as just like a big stormtrooper gatling gun that we've yes. yet to see kill anything but stormtroopers uh <laughs> in the wrestling world if you set up the table you're the one that's going through it yeah and so that's also that's a part of it because it's like safety i feel like it's the same thing for the e-web in star wars if you're the stormtrooper that's setting it up you're the one that's going to die from it um well just the way it is we do we do get to see an in an, an e-web set up and then just sort of fired at the millennium falcon as it as it departs hoth yeah so so there is at least a, a one one sort of canon occurrence where yeah we've seen him use it didn't end up on the wrong wrong end of it but you're right they it's probably <laughs> yeah. trouble yeah in fact if i was a stormtrooper that is they're like here can you set up the e-web i'd rather put on the red shirt in star trek you know, you're like, why don't yeah. you just kill me now? Let's not do this. If I only kill me, we're not going to kill a whole slaughter of us through my, my own e-web. Well, in, uh, during Moff Gideon's, oh, I'm sorry, do we have more to say about well, the Well, no, I was just going to say, of of the infantry, uh, of the infantry mm-hmm. that stormtroopers have to offer, this is probably the thing that that the that people most fear, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, in in episode four, we see the the ATST and sort of how how much sort of of uh of clout that Cara Dune and uh and Mando offer that and this is definitely one of these things that's uh, if not equally it's it's very close to being as as feared and so this is definitely not a good situation for them to be in it is not uh and but Moff Gideon's still giving this speech and through it he's starting to tell everyone everyone else's business yes he spills the and tea I think they say yeah the first thing he lets us know is that Cara Dune is from Alderaan which yes. we know is the planet that blew up in the beginning of A New Hope. It is where Princess Leia is from, and it is to show the power of the Death Star. They blew up her home planet in front of her, and that is also Cara Dune's planet. And then he also says Din Djarin. Yes. And the Mandalorian goes, that's my name. I haven't heard that since I was a child. Yep. Uh, so we now found out that he has a real name. He hasn't even heard from a real child so probably the mandalorians don't even know it that's how well moff gideon has been either a part of this guy's whole lifespan or researched to be like oh look so he's getting to the core of these people he's using their real names that they haven't heard since children calling out their home planets and he also calls out to dinjarin that he survived the siege of the mandalorian and the night of a thousand tears and i asked andy to look that up for me yeah i kept watching the episode <laughs> do you want to hear do we talk about that now or do you want to talk about that uh the, those three things when we talk about things later here do it well uh, let's sum it up real fast because okay. there's a lot more episode and then we're going to so, go through the other stuff later so the quick the quick thing here is if you haven't seen season seven uh if you haven't seen season seven of the clone wars the uh, season seven of the clone wars sets up the siege of mandalore and so um you know the the situation for that is that uh, where season seven ends, they end with a garrison of the Galactic Empire troops on uh, on the planet, and the the essence of this is that Bo um, Bo Katan Crease uh, is put in as a regent there, uh, and then while there's an occupying uh, while there's an occupying uh, imperial um, garrison there, and eventually. 
this is uh, how um, this is how the empire takes over and creates occupation. So that the siege of Mandalore, in essence, was dispose, uh, deposing uh, Maul uh, as the leader. They installed a new a new individual, and then they're basically getting their foothold in for occupation. And then the Night of a Thousand Tears, we don't know any more about it other than what Moff Gideon has told us, but uh, there's a chance that we'll learn more about this when the novelization of the, Mandal- uh, of the Mandalorian series is released this uh, coming November. Which I refuse to read. Um, yes. Although, unless they sponsor this podcast, and then it's the best thing I've ever read. It's my Bible. So he, uh, Mand- Mandalorian says, hey, I'm not dense as a child. And then he mentions that he is not really of Mandalore. And they're like, yeah. you're not really Mandalorian. He goes, well, it's not a race. It's a creed. And I'm a part of the creed. Right. And so he, uh, we then see a flashback to his parents running him through a town that's filled with these B2 battle droids, which are common in the Clone Wars series. Yep. The cartoon. And we, I don't think we've ever seen him in real life until now. Uh, we may have seen them. We may have seen. I was trying to think if they were in the prequels. Yeah, I, th- I think we see. I think we see them in the prequels. Um, we definitely because... see the battle droids a lot, but I'm, this beefy, the B two battle droids specifically. I, th- I think we see the B two in um, the Geonosis as backup okay. to uh, as to as backup to Dooku. But you, you okay. could be right. But the, the point here though is the B twos. The B twos are are the super battle droids. They're a little more feared than the somewhat comical B one droids that we see a lot of in Episode one. And yeah, which throughout. they really made those not scary throughout the prequels yeah. because we just have slaughtered so many comically. And but the B twos look menacing, and so they're yes. taking in this town and they find a way to hide their child in a little like storm cellar it looks like yes and then there's explosions and it is we don't really see his parents die but it is definitely like oh no his parents have been destroyed by these battle droids battle droid opens up the doors starts to aim at the kid he's gonna kill this kid and then all of a sudden it gets shot you hear the beginning of the theme song for the mandalorian show but it really is letting us know this is the theme for mandalorians Yes. And a Mandalorian saves this kid, and this is when he officially becomes a foundling, and they fly off. During part of this, there is some sort of thing on the shoulder of the yes. Mandalorian. There is a signet on the pauldron or the shoulder piece of mm-hmm. um, at least two of the of two of the Mandalorian squad that the of commandos that come in, and that is. Uh, the signet or mark of Death Watch. And uh, Death Watch is, if you've watched the Clone Wars, you'll know a bit more about Death Watch. Uh, but oh. they were considered to be sort of a separatist um, within the Mandalorian culture, a separatist or terrorist organization. Um, and they were, they, were definitely, uh, they were definitely skilled and, uh, and, and were in defense of the Mandalorian way. So mm-hmm. this comment about this being a creed, um, you know, having, seeing Din's imprint of that makes a bit of sense um, for, uh, for Death Watch. And mm-hmm. we can dive in a little deeper on that um, later, but I think that's probably enough for where we're at. So enough for where we're at right now. I w- think I want to do a dark saber one later, which yeah. will really dig into that. But it shows that they, we do know that there's multiple creeds of Mandalorians, and so this one has a specific creed in which it's patched, which is signated, and so we see that it is found by this Mandalorian and it's flown away. We've been told he's a, f- a foundling. We actually get to see it now. Yeah, and this is when IG Eleven. Uh, we now go to him coming into town, and he 
still, we didn't realize he was still capable of his hunting and bounty hunter abilities till right now. And he's an excellent shot. He's going through town on a speeder bike, just mowing down people. You see a Jawa, which of course we've seen those throughout all of Star Wars. But I find him really funny. You know, yes. like it worked out really well for this. And then I write Battle Ensues. It's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, nothing I'm going to say is going to be better than watching this episode. There is a lot of action in it. So there is not a lot of weird Easter eggs or things to be explained in the battle. Yeah. But it's super cool. Throughout this battle, uh, we see a couple things happen, but Mondo gets hurt. They shoot a, a box of ammunition. It explodes. He thinks he's down for the count and might die. So he goes and seeks refuge in the cantina that they've used as their hideaway base. And he kind of shoes away Kara and grief and the child to go into the sewers. Cause he's not going to take their mask off in front of him. Yeah. He can't. Cause that's part of the creed. You can't take off your mask. This is the way. Is it not Andy? Yes. This is the this way. Is the way. This is the way. Thank you. Absolutely. And so he's like, no, he'd rather die than take off his mask in front of them. And then IG 11's like, ah, I'm a droid. That don't count. Right. Like, and he kind of talks his way into like letting him do it. And he's like, well, aren't you going to kill me? And he asks IG 11 to kill him, but he's like, no, you forget that I also am programmed in nursing. So he yes. has a back to spray. Didn't assume that was ever going to be on IG uh, droid. Yes. The back to back. Clearly the juice clear that they used in empire. Yes. When Luke got hurt and they put him in the big tank and there's a Finn does it in the new prequels. And he's got that juice that they use for extra healing as a spray that he sprays on the back of Din's head. Yeah, this Which is clearly a Creel mod, right? This is something it definitely Creel, is. Yeah, oh, Creel for sure. Added. And it is being used. And so he takes his mask off and he does it in front of the droid. It's still kind of a big deal, but it saved his life. And he puts the helmet back on. And they are now going to find the armor down in the sewers. He like IG-11 meets up with the rest of them. Helmet's on. It's almost like they have this secret that he's not to be known. Although they, when the armor did mention earlier, has anyone mm -hmm. seen you without your helmet? It doesn't necessarily mean that droids are privy to that rule because yeah. they, they aren't a person. So he still has that kind of halfway sense, but no one else did. You know, like all living things there were not. Yes. They get to the armor and she, he shows the armor of the child that's been causing all this stir. And she's like, oh, yes, I've heard of this thing. Let me look at it. And she's like, yeah, I think you should raise it. You know, they should. They're pretty powerful, but it should find its own kind. Is this the, the one that helped you with the mud horn? And he goes, yeah, this is the one that helped me with the mud horn. And so she gives like the she gives like the OK, like you got to find other of its kind which i thought at the you know what i'm gonna say too much but andy go ahead you're well no no so i was just gonna say the people who've played uh if you've played any fantasy games or or such the armor basically uh gives assigns din a quest and yes and, and really perfect that, way of putting it yeah and, and that and, quest is to find yep. a way for this child to learn and to grow and to find its own kind yep. and you're like all right how do we find its own kind we don't know Yep. minor minor spoiler alert that quest is really the second season is yeah wait how do i finish what the armorer says because the armor definitely holds a real high place in din's heart and he does whatever she says all the time in fact everyone does all the mandalores do but she also then says you've now earned your signet and gives him the mudhorn signet on his shoulder which yeah. i personally love and then she gives him a jetpack 
What a cool gift. No one's ever given me a jetpack. No, Andy. they haven't. And it's cool too. <laughs> she she declares them a clan of two. I thought that was mm-hmm. yeah, uh, I love that. An interesting little bit. Um, especially, you know, from a Star Wars uh, perspective, uh, you know, you hear a lot about the Darth Bane and the rule of two mm-hmm. in the Sith world. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a neat little nod. Uh, and then, yeah, the, the jetpack, um, I, th- I think she asks him about uh, if he if he has trained in the ways of the rising Phoenix. Uh, yeah. which apparently are the so that's a, that's one of the training exercises or forms that uh, the foundlings and others who are who are taking on the creed and training do I thought that was mm-hmm. uh, an interesting an interesting little aspect as well so super cool love it they start to hear some stormtrooper noises IG-11 kills off a couple and he's like but there's more coming and he's like tells the armor to come with and the armor is like no 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 I have to get all this stuff out of here myself first and the armor doesn't even seem like she feels like she's in danger and realistically they're really after the child yeah so if the child leaves the armor probably is just left alone well and there's there's a clear presence from uh from the armor that they should not mess with her uh yeah and and there is a moment here where uh where she's preparing herself for battle uh, almost in a sort of clearing her clearing her mind meditative state like Qui-Gon is preparing mm-hmm. himself during that when the interlocks prevent uh, Maul yeah. and him and so I thought that was a really cool little aspect of really showing the ritual side of the Mandalorian way as far mm-hmm. as combat and uh, combat and, and oh yeah plays it always a bit. feels religious every time we see her yeah and and so you know the 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 armor is in essence sort of the high priest of the of uh, of the way um and the you know even the client in uh, chapter 7 is really marveling at uh what uh, the armorer has done for din in equipping mm-hmm. his full suit so you know we get an idea of of just how skilled she is and the whole battle sequence with her is is pretty amazing yeah, exactly. Because the stormtroopers show up and she just owns them. Yeah. Um, but then our heroes leave and we kind of follow them down the road. We get the sense that she's owned them so bad that they're just going to keep following the child. She just happened to be with them for a moment. Yep. So they go down to a fairy droid that has an R2 unit. that's kind of the captain of it. They go down. <laughs> they're on a lava river. And they tell the droid, hey, let's go. Like, And the so the droid does, but then when they start to realize that there's stormtroopers just waiting on the other side of the lava river, there's an opening in the cave. They're all waiting, and so they're like, "Hey, stop!" But you can't stop a thing on a river. And they get mad and they shoot the R2 droid. And IG-11's like, "My job is to protect the child, so I can do so, but I have to self-destruct." Because he was able to scan and see where all the stormtroopers are. I love this because when we first saw him in the first episode, he kept wanting to self-destruct. It was his whole thing. <laughs> Every time they turned the corner, it was like, well, now I got to self-destruct. Uh, we're not going to get through this. And so now he's back to his, I can't even phase. And Amanda's like, no, stay and fight with us. And he goes, no, 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 this isn't going to be good. But so I should self-destruct, but I have a plan. And very heroically Terminator 2-ish puts his feet in the lava walks out to the mouth of the of the cave, self-destructs in lava, and it kills all of the stormtroopers that are around. So it does do its final job of protecting the child. Um, did I miss something? You look like you wanted me to... Although, I, I, no, I was just... It's I loved that, you know, the, the sort of that, that 
of course he's going to self-destruct, right? You had that you yeah, know, after, after the first occurrence, we know that. And, and then the only other thing I would add to is just the, you know, we sort of, we sort of are, are called out in chapter seven, right. Where, you know, mm-hmm. Din has a thing for that droid, right? Like oh, for he, sure. you know, he doesn't like droids, but he really doesn't like this droid. And so for me, I, I really loved that little bit. And then the director, um, Taika Watiti is, is voicing uh, IG-11. IG-11. Just a, yeah. Just as a reminder here for folks that we'd, we'd mentioned that previously, but um, but yeah, so I just that that this was sort of a, a sort of standout moment for me. This little bit on the lava river there, and the yeah, teaching no, love it. is a great point. You and know, it's I made the IG eleven one of my favorite in oh, the yeah. whole series. Yeah, um, yeah. So they go out there. All the stormtroopers are killed, but now we see a Tie Fighter come around. Moff Gideon's the pilot of it, and there's just the great line I want to throw out there that Carl Weathers goes, "Baby, do the magic hand thing." <laughs> and then the baby just waves and coos and he's like no oh, oh cute baby <laughs> yeah uh love it and of course we don't mention earlier that when the armor gave him the jetpack we're like yeah hey, don't use it till you really train with it you know like it's yeah. kind of janky but he's like well, i see a tie fighter in the sky and we our blasters on land aren't going to do anything to a tie fighter in the sky so he puts on the jetpack and just as poorly as the rocketeer does in his first time out there takes off and it's not smooth, but it's fun to watch and is able to hook his, I mean, like, it's kind of a grappling hook yeah. onto the TIE fighter, but gets whirled around, finds a way to get close to it and starts shooting the top of the TIE fighter with his blaster, does a little damage to a little bit of some wing, TIE fighter spins off out of control somewhere. Is Moff Gideon dead? We don't know until I talk for another three minutes, right? And then... <laughs> well- um. Real quick, the dot this this dog the beginning of this dogfight too, I I thought was a really interesting little nod now to uh to the desert sequence in Rise of Skywalker with Ray and she's sort of eyeing up uh, Kylo Ren's uh, mm-hmm. Kylo Ren's tie um and that whole little bit. Uh so I thought that was really, you know, kind of a neat deal. And then um and then Din, you know basically can throw charges on that outland tie fighter because he got more charges at the armor right again this mm-hmm. sort of thing where where when you move along in a in a fantasy game or an mmorpg you know you, you mm-hmm. stock up wherever you can and good thing he did so we got for that. sure we can take out we can take out something that was would have clearly been um, a, a problem for them they would not have survived absolutely and then we get to the crashed tie fighter yes and we see that it's being cut open by a thing. And it looks like the Darksaber's blade, but it can't be. That's yes. never appeared in TV or live action. No, it and hasn't. And then, dun-dun-dun, Darksaber shows up. Darksaber for, oh, I mean, Moff Gideon's alive. He kicks Yeah. Him. He kicks out. So we have our villain alive with the Darksaber. And the Darksaber is whoever is the holder. It's kind of whatever the Excalibur is yeah. to King Arthur's court. Uh the Darth Saber is that for the ruler of Mandalore. And it has a rich, get... yeah, it has a rich and complicated history. And I will very not much say any, more, say any more, but this is definitely uh, yeah, it, a big it moment. It can literally for, be for its own episode, which it yes. will be in the future. So that is, <laughs> so people are like, what are you going to do after you cover the show? We have, we have things like a dark saber to explain, which yes. is nothing you can tag onto another thing. That is a sit down. I'm going to learn about the dark saber kind of mood. Yeah. Uh, the dark saber has a lot of history in the cartoons and it is now being carried on in to this show, 
which is great because Dave Filoni invented it. And now we're starting to see his characters and his inventions show up in this real world thing. And the Darksaber is an incredible, fun tool with a great storyline attached to it. And now we have it. Andy, it's what did you think of this myth. episode? I thought it was an IG-11 out of 10. Nice, dude. I give it a 10 out of 10. Magic hands. Yes. Like I- a- <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's uh, definitely... Uh, it's definitely one like you you couldn't like I definitely wanted uh, I was I was wanting more in season one, but you couldn't have closed off or capped off a season uh, first season any better than they did. And for sure, you know, to be able to see, so, you know, one of one of the knocks that we occasionally get is that um, the Star Wars universe only has one bad guy and that's Sidious. Right. Uh, you know, or in, and I, I, th- I feel like people who say that, of course, have, have probably co-opted Darth Vader in a way that's maybe unhealthy. Um, but but, I, <laughs> you know, like that he's really cool. So we're not going to talk about, you know, how particularly vengeful and evil he might be. But but this these two episodes really set up Moff Gideon as being um, a first rate villain. Um, oh, for you know, sure. All all of the things he's offering up from his past as an imperial um, as an imperial bureau, uh, bureau agent. Um, so you know the idea that he kind of knows everything, and so his, his they talk about you know they, they make this mention that he's an ISB agent, and that stands for Imperial Security Bureau, and mm-hmm. then he's got this connection to the Purge, uh, which we've seen a bit in season one about the the Beskar ignits that are are stamped with the Imperial logo. We've seen a bit about the mm-hmm. Purge, um, also woven into Star Wars Rebels. So I I felt like we we came a decent way to get a bad guy at the end but a solid amazing um protag or antagonist to our uh loved protagonist so couldn't couldn't for be sure happier. yeah i couldn't be happier i think it's a great way to end not just an episode but the whole season yeah and it really got me excited for season two and even as season two happens you still go back and you're like, oh yeah, no, this is this is good stuff. This is yeah. this is the peak of what we could expect from Star Wars, not just TV show but movie. Yeah. Um, I think that's all we have to say for this episode. That's all I got. Andy, is this the way? Um, perhaps. For now, it's gonna have to be. 